what led to a car bursting into flames in a Vancouver parking lot. And it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do I do now? And how Facebook followers may well have saved the life of a man from Princeton. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, a highly congested route through Vancouver could soon be getting even busier. That is thanks to increasing rail traffic. CN Rail currently operates tracks from Barad Inlet to the port of Vancouver. The company now set to build a second track along a four-kilometre stretch, making areas around Glen Drive even busier for drivers and pedestrians. Tanya Beja reports. Union Street is one of Vancouver's busiest bike routes. But when the train comes along, the neighborhood grinds to a standstill. What we end up seeing is a lot of people who get stuck with traffic. The buses get stuck. They're sometimes backed up like four buses long. Cars are zigzagging through the neighborhood trying to find a way out. Concerns the problems will only get worse as CN Rail confirms plans to build a second track along four kilometers of the Burrard Inlet Line to the Port of Vancouver. There's no consultation and no thought to the impact that it has on the community. And we understand this is a lifeline for the port and for the greater economy at large. But there has to be a balance. The Port Authority and CN Rail say the expansion will facilitate the growth of Canadian imports and exports while creating a better flow of rail traffic in and out of the port. It sounds like explosions. It sounds like, uh, you know, train cars crashing into each other. That's what, that's what it is. Strathcona residents worry the plans will also mean more of the aggravating noise from the shunting and idling of trains and more diesel emissions in the densely populated neighbourhood. We're a big country. You can assemble trains somewhere other than in the middle of your most densely populated city. Pedestrians and cyclists also calling for more crossing options when the twinning takes place. Like this one that's here now, it's kind of out of the way and like there should be another, maybe a secondary one added. While the city will feel the impact of a second track, Vancouver councillors say it's up to higher levels of government to respond. Let's see the feds pony up a little bit and ensure that infrastructure is being built to meet the needs of the people who live here and the needs of moving goods and services out of our port. Tanya Beja, Global News. Now to a deadly late-night crash in Vancouver this long weekend. A young man has been killed after two vehicles crashed into each other on the city's west side. Grace Key reports from the scene. Grace? The collision happened here on Camby and 57th just after 11 o'clock Saturday night. A white Hyundai Elantra ended up crashing into this pole. You can still see the debris scattered here on the ground. Now police believe the white Hyundai was speeding southbound here on Camby when it clipped the front end of a dark colored Acura SUV as it was trying to make a left-hand turn on West 57th Avenue. The white Hyundai flipped and then crashed into the pole. The driver, a 26-year-old man from Vancouver, was killed. A 25-year-old man from Surrey was partially ejected from the passenger front seat. And a 17-year-old female from Surrey, she was in the back seat. Now, those two have non-life-threatening injuries. Two people were in the Acura and they were not hurt. Speed could be a factor here. We're not ruling anything out. We're asking anybody who may have been driving along Canby Street that saw a four-door sedan, um, as described, any sort of driving behaviours whatsoever, give us a call. Police not only want to hear from witnesses to the collision, but they also want to hear from anyone who may have seen the white Hyundai prior to the accident as it was travelling along Canby Street. This is the fifth collision-related fatality for the city. In Vancouver, Grace Key, Global News. 
In Abbotsford, a man walking with a boy was struck by a vehicle at Montrose and Essendine this morning. The man was taken to hospital but is expected to survive. The 11-year-old boy is OK after witnesses say he was possibly brushed by the car. The driver did stay on scene and is cooperating with police. The busy intersection was closed for several hours as uh, collision analysts gathered evidence there. Witnesses are being asked, though, to get in touch with Abbotsford police. There are also traffic headaches in Delta this morning after a semi-truck rolled over. This was at about 4 a.m. on Highway 17 near the Nordell Connector. Police say the semi-trailer loaded with frozen fish turned over and blocked the merge lane for traffic getting onto Nordell. The eastbound lane was closed as crews worked to remove the trailer. Uh, no one was hurt, luckily, and there is no word yet on uh, what caused this crash. A lot of families are enjoying the clear weather this long weekend, but snow is set to return and it's just in time for the start of the work week. It's not what we want to hear, but Yvonne has got all of the details, Yvonne. Yes, Sonia, hope everyone is enjoying the sunshine. We've got a nice break for the southern half of the province. Many areas today seeing the return for drier conditions. This is the next weather system that we are watching. We are going to see an increase in cloud cover tomorrow morning. By the afternoon, a few areas across the island will be looking at that moisture but the chance to see some showers or flurries across the south coast will be the overnight. And by the morning hours, there's the potential right across the south coast that we could see some snowfall for a few areas. We'll see how temperatures progress. And we are also keeping a close eye, especially as we get in towards the interior. If you're heading along the mountain passes, I'll have more coming up. I snuck a photo a little bit early. I pressed the clicker too quick, but that was a shot from today. I'll have more coming up. It's a nice shot. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for that. Back in the news, a wanted man who failed to return to a Vancouver halfway house has been arrested in eastern Canada. 47-year-old Joseph Davis is a full-time federal offender who's been convicted of more than 80 crimes, including the sexual assault of a Winnipeg real estate agent and also forcible confinement of a sex trade worker. He was in the halfway house under a community supervision order before he disappeared. Davis was arrested in Quebec early this morning, driving an SUV that matched the description of the vehicle he was driving when he went missing. Exactly a year ago today, a young man from Alberta went missing from Sun Peak Ski Resort near Kamloops. Ryan Stuka has never been found. And as the RCMP investigation into his disappearance continues, his family is holding a vigil at this hour to mark the anniversary. Kristen Robinson reports. One year later, the mystery of what happened to Ryan Stuka still hanging over Sun Peaks. It's just tragic, you know. You see those posters when you drive up, those big billboards. It's like, oh, man. I mean, people talk about it, but I think they come up with the same decision. We don't know. The 20-year-old from Beaumont, Alberta, had moved to B.C. to work at the ski resort near Kamloops a few months before he vanished without a trace. And we just want to know what happened to him. Stuka was last seen leaving a house party on Burfield Drive in Sun Peaks in the early hours of February 17th of last year. February 17th, 2018, we received probably what would have been the text um, of every parent's worst nightmare. Believed to be walking home just a short distance away, Stuka never arrived and never showed up for work later that day. Police say his cell phone has not been used since he disappeared. An exhaustive search and rescue effort turned up nothing. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's like he just fell off the face of the earth. There is no evidence Stuka left Sun Peaks. 
Kamloops RCMP pleading for clues and vowing not to give up until they know what happened to Stuka. Somebody knows something. We need people to come forward and whatever tips, information, we do need you to step up and, uh, and do what you can to help, help contribute to this investigation. No matter what it is, and um, we, uh, we miss Ryan a lot. I want to bring him home. Stuka's parents say they'll never stop searching for their son. Even if it's our end of our days, we'll, we'll persevere until we find him. Kristen Robinson, Global News. I have some really fiery moments to share with you that happened outside of the Superstore in Vancouver. Uh, this happened yesterday afternoon, just after two o'clock. The Volkswagen, Volkswagen Golf even burst into flames in the store's parking lot on Rupert Street. Fortunately, the driver noticed smoke under the dash and then pulled over to call 911. It took firefighters about an hour to douse the flames as the car was fully involved. Luckily, no one was hurt in this incident, but the uh, VW is a total write-off. The cause is believed to be accidental. The fire sparked by an electrical malfunction under the hood. Pretty scary. Some frightening moments for the driver of a Mercedes. In this case, the vehicle ended up plunging into an icy water-filled ditch south of Pitt Lake this morning. The driver did unbelievably manage to make it out without getting injured, but the vehicle ended up being submerged under that frigid water. So far, there is no word on what caused that crash. Burnaby RCMP are looking for a suspect involved in an early morning stabbing. Officers were called to the 3800 block of Hastings just before 3 a.m. A person was found there with stab wounds. That person then rushed to hospital. Police say the victim is not known to them. The suspect is being described as a black male and six feet tall. He was wearing all black and last seen heading west on Hastings. There is no word yet on a possible motive for this attack. The federal cabinet is expected to extend the deadline to reconsider the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The National Energy Board is reconsidering the project's impact on marine life. The Federal Court of Appeal ruled last year that the NEB's 2016 approval failed to take into account the hits that southern resident killer whales would take from additional oil tankers in that water, as well as First Nations consultations. On Friday, the NEB will deliver a report to Cabinet. That triggers a 90-day deadline for Cabinet to decide whether this project will get the go-ahead. That deadline is expected to be pushed back to the summer. More than 100 Canadians returned from Haiti this weekend as violent protests continue to rock the country. But other Canadians, including a woman from Kelowna, are still stranded in the island nation. There is no word yet of when they will be able to get out. Paul Johnson reports. Imagine getting stuck in a place like this. This is the situation that's caught dozens of Canadians by surprise. Most of them tourists and aid workers, as political unrest has seen looters and thugs block many key roads across the country. There's no way for any of us to get to this unless we're air evacuated or by sea. One of those trapped is Laura Allen, an aid worker from Kelowna who we reached on the phone Sunday in the southern city of Jacmel. To get out, she'd need to make it to the airport in Port-au-Prince, 90 kilometers away. She says there's no way she can make it with the current conditions, and she feels like Ottawa is letting her down. I'm crushed. 
Um, I feel like I've been deserted. Global Affairs told us Sunday that they're on top of the situation in Haiti and stand ready to provide assistance to Canadians who require it. Though they didn't elaborate on any specific plans to evacuate Laura Allen and the 20 other Canadians she says are stuck in the Jonkmail area. It feels so good. Other Canadians did make it out safely this weekend. Groups arriving in Calgary and Montreal, some of whom got to the airport on a helicopter ride that they had to pay cash for. They're glad to be home. One of the most stressful situations, and it's, it wasn't as, part of it was the political situation in Haiti, but a big part of it was just not knowing, and not knowing what to do next, and trying to contact whoever you can, and not getting any answers. Paul Johnson, Global News. A BC couple says they were attacked with acid while on vacation in Vietnam. In a Facebook post, Tammy Nguyen says she and her boyfriend Tom were on their way to dinner when they were attacked by two strangers on a motorbike. Nguyen shared photographs of burns to her hands, but it was her boyfriend that may have suffered the most. She says 90% of his face was left burned. Global Affairs Canada says it is aware that a Canadian citizen was injured in Vietnam and they are in touch with local authorities. Now imagine having to call 911 and realizing you have no cell phone coverage. That's exactly what happened to a woman from Princeton when she realized her husband was having a heart attack. The desperate woman turned to Facebook for help. Jules Knox tells us what happened next. This has been very frightening, very overwhelming. When Heather Balaam called 911 because her husband was having a heart attack, she couldn't get through. Because our cell phone service is so intermittent, it wouldn't put a signal through. And it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do I do now? Balaam lives in a remote location along a forest service road in the Princeton area. She didn't have a landline, but she does have the internet. My first thing was go on Facebook, go right back on Facebook and ask people for help. And I typed it in in capital letters. Pleading for somebody to call 911, listing her location and that her husband was having a heart attack in Princeton's Rants, Raves and Issues group. And um, apparently there were four different people that phoned in the, for an ambulance to come for me. But Che LaPointe still had to wait for nearly 45 minutes until it arrived. That was, I think, for me, the scariest point was sitting there waiting for the ambulance because I, I really thought I was going to die right there. In the meantime, some nearby loggers offered LaPointe aspirin, something the couple couldn't find in their own house, but will be stocking in the future and are reminding others to do the same. I'm putting aspirin everywhere, in the truck, in the house, every bathroom. La Point is now recovering quickly in Kelowna General Hospital, hoping to return home soon with a newfound gratitude for the online community. It played a, a big, big role. I knew somebody would help. I didn't know who, I didn't care who, but I, I knew somebody would help. And I think that's a miraculous thing. <laughs> Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Makeup giant Sephora is under fire after cancelling orders on a deal that seemed too good to be true. A lot of people bought into Sephora's $88 off promotion. This started uh, doing the rounds on social media earlier this month. 
Uh, Sephora, which has stores right across North America, later told its customers that online orders using the promo code have been cancelled. The company says the 88 off $100 discount was not a valid promotion. They've apologised through Twitter to its customers for the confusion. Definitely they should be honouring it. Yeah, and why do you think so? Because uh, companies like hotels, airlines, that sort of thing will, as well as other clothing stores. I think they should honour it. Yeah. As a shopper, I would, yes, I would want it on. It's the code of ethics of business, Yes, I think, and yeah, I think the right thing is to do, is to honour it. Well, I think if you present something, you should honour it, right. right? So it's kind of disappointing, I think, for everyone. Oh dear, oh dear. Mm. That's a they tough could, one. could they do something yeah. to make up for it? Oh. They should have honoured it. I think that would have been the easiest way to do it. But hey. Yeah, what did Barry say to us while that was playing? Sephora. Is Sephora, is that makeup? <laughs> Clearly, your wife is not taking you in there enough. No, Barry, no, we'll have no. to have a word. Well, you know, Wal- <laughs> he gets to avoid Walmart Sephora. Is, Walmart is just as good. <laughs> oh. All right, let's... Uh, well, we, we actually like going in there a lot. Okay, let's talk about the weather right now because there is a... I was going to say warning. It's not quite a warning. Just a heads but, up. You know, a heads giving up. Giving a heads yeah. up just because we're coming off of the long weekend right. and those that will be travelling on Tuesday, especially for the interior and even across the south coast, the potential is there to see some snowfall. A look at some of the numbers, though. Uh, the skies are going to be clear overnight, and we will see uh, temperatures dipping down with the wind chill. Metro Vancouver feeling closer to minus 6, so it'll be a chilly start to the morning. We'll see a nice bright start, but there is some cloud cover for the afternoon. We'll have more on what our Tuesday is, and the potential, again, to see some snow later on in the work week. The timing of that coming up very shortly. So, not out of the clear just yet. So done with the snow. If you could dial up what we had today for the rest of the week. And hit repeat. I would take that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice, wasn't it? It was gorgeous. It felt so good after being in this blizzard conditions where we're we're bruised and battered. I know. So you got a suntan. It was so good. Well, yeah, exactly. I had the top down. No, I didn't didn't quite go that far, but uh, it certainly felt like it. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about uh, the Canucks. They don't play for a while, so they have a little break. Uh, check in on some of the other teams they're battling with in the wild card. And uh, if you like spectacular auto crashes, the Daytona 500 was for you. Uh, lots of uh, mayhem there in uh, Florida. So we'll have highlights of that as well. Charged with the first degree murder of his daughter is in hospital because of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Rupesh Rajkumar is accused of killing his 11-year-old daughter, Rhea. She was found inside his Brampton home on Thursday night following an amber alert. The 41-year-old was arrested in a high risk takedown later that night. Because of his injuries, the Special Investigations Unit was called in, but uh, the SIU will not be invoking its mandate. Raj Kumar has been remanded into custody. His court appearance is pending medical clearance. Ria's murder has shaken the community. Dozens attended a candlelight vigil for her in Mississauga last night. Another vigil is planned for Tuesday in downtown Brampton. Her funeral will be held on February 20th. Officials in Quebec issuing a warning this winter as roofs collapse under the weight of heavy snow and ice. Last night, a roof of an apartment building north of Montreal came crashing down. No one was hurt, but the building is a complete loss. In uh, Trios River, an auto parts warehouse collapsed. A Quebec City arena was also evacuated after support beams cracked. And on Friday, part of a grocery store also collapsed. That left two people injured. Last week, the region got a month's worth of snow in less 
than a day. Firefighters are urging residents to be vigilant and keep an eye out in their homes for signs of strain and to safely clear their rooftops if they can. An explosion has rocked a Calgary neighbourhood this morning. The blast destroyed one home and also five others that had to be evacuated. Global's Michael King has details, including what investigators know so far. Large exploding boom. It's crazy. That's what the neighbourhood of Douglas Glen woke up to just after four Sunday morning. A large explosion rocking nearby homes. The fire destroyed one home and quickly spread to neighbouring houses. The loud blast woke up residents, some even thinking the noise came from inside their own homes. I was in my bed and at first I thought possibly someone fell in the house or someone was breaking in. Sounded like, uh, you know, the whole house shaking, so it's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty crazy. Because of the frigid temperatures, a second alarm was called. Calgary Transit also provided temporary shelter where displaced residents and firefighters could keep warm. We had extra crews here to be able to rotate crews out of the uh, extreme weather. And as well, we've been uh, fighting the, you know, the extreme weather in terms of using water at the scene here as well. No one was treated for injuries at the scene, but fire officials say they still have to do a full search at the home where the fire started. The cause of the blast is still under investigation. Michael King, Global News. Now to dramatic footage of a deadly pileup in Missouri. One person has been killed, several others injured in Friday's crash. It's happened on a highway in Kansas City. Police say there were whiteout conditions at the time. 47 vehicles in total were involved. Cell phone video showing cars and trucks sliding into each other, unable to slow down on an incredibly slick roadway. U.S. President Donald Trump is demanding Europe takes back some 800 ISIS fighters currently captured in Syria. The call comes as he plans to officially announce the collapse of the extremist group. He wants foreign fighters that went out there to fight to be put on trial in the countries they left. Lucy Kavanaugh has the latest. In Syria, ISIS is cornered and U.S.-backed Kurdish forces are closing in. With the Islamic State all but gone, the question now, what to do with the foreigners who remain? Like British teen Shamima Begum, who ran away to Syria with two classmates in 2015. I saw all the videos on the internet and that just kind of attracted me to them. Speaking from a Syrian refugee camp, she says she has no regrets about joining ISIS. I had my kids, you know, I did have a good time there. It's just that then things got harder. Now she wants to come home. I think a lot of people should have like sympathy towards me for everything I've been through. More than 41,000 foreigners from 80 countries joined ISIS. In Western Europe, most came from France, followed by Germany and the UK. President Trump wants European allies to take back over 800 ISIS fighters captured in Syria and put them on trial, suggesting they would otherwise be released. There is a, uh, a danger of Europeans not getting convicted and potentially then escaping from observation in the UK or elsewhere and potentially then attacking America as well. ISIS still a threat even as the battle against them comes to a close. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News. Authorities in New York are investigating what caused several manholes to go up in flames. They could be seen shooting in the air from the manholes in Midtown Manhattan last night. 
Several theatre productions did have to end up cancelling shows. There were businesses that were evacuated also. Uh, buses also had to be rerouted to avoid this area. People describing hearing a bang and also smelling smoke. Now, there were no power outages or injuries uh, connected to the fire. So still waiting on more details on what happened there. All right, before we get to Yvonne and some important news for you regarding some more snowfall, here's a sign of how some are already pretty tired of winter. Yeah, this is the driving range at McCleary Golf Course in Vancouver. It was packed today as golfers took advantage of that sunshine we had. Every stool in use this afternoon with more than 20 people waiting in line to hit some balls. Never thought I'd ever say that on it. All right, then, Yvonne has got all the details on the weather front, and there is some snow on the way. Yes, we're tracking it. Uh, this will be for tomorrow, or rather on our Tuesday when we go back after the long weekend. A few photos. This was sent in from our very own Jay Durant of what it looked like in Pitt Meadows today. A great shot in, uh, in Port Alberni. Rita sent us in this photo, and a couple of tweets that I saw. This was from the spit in Campbell River, so we saw some nice breaks along the island. A shot of what it looked like in Gibson's. Thank you so much, Brad, for tweeting that one in. Larry was downtown at Science World. We could see the sunshine today, so thank you, everyone. Uh, for sending in your photos. Here's the, the end of the sunset of what we did see this evening. We will have a nice bright start to the morning. It is going to be chilly, though. Temperatures right now sitting at 3, but overnight with the wind chill, feeling closer to minus 6. Here's a glance at what we are tracking, though. The future cast once again for the morning and leading into the afternoon. We've got an increase in cloud cover overnight and in towards our Tuesday morning, a chance of flurries or showers. And then by our Tuesday morning, the snow develops for many areas across the south coast. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, the concern will be on your Tuesday throughout the day. The piece, very chilly overnight once again. Wind chill for the morning hours, feeling closer to minus 33. Cloud cover and dry conditions over the next three days. White Horse will see a chance for flurries tomorrow. Southeasterly winds sustained at 30 and gusts of up to 60 kilometers or 50 kilometers per hour. The wind chill tomorrow morning closer to minus 30. Along the north coast, a chance of flurries. It'll be windy especially for the mainland and inlets and then it'll change over to rain on Tuesday with temperatures getting up to 4 degrees. Sunshine and dry conditions making a return on Wednesday. Caribou and central interior, another dry day to round off the long weekend but chilly tomorrow morning. Wind chill at minus 30. Columbia and Kootenai region will still see a fair bit of cloud cover. A dry one if you're traveling along the mountain passes. The snow starts to develop on Tuesday and chilly. The tops in Okanagan will see plenty of sunshine tomorrow. Temperatures at minus 13 and then periods of snow on Tuesday. Whistler will see a fair bit of cloud cover tomorrow. Chilly with wind chills at minus 13. We'll see the snow developing Tuesday and then easing right back on your Wednesday. And for a few spots across the island, it'll be bright for the morning hours and then an increasing cloud cover. We could see some showers towards the evening, even for the southern and eastern sections. And then a chance of flurries or wet snow for many areas was what we're tracking on our Tuesday. Here's a glance though overnight, so minus two, wind chill at minus six. We'll have a nice bright start to the morning and increase in cloud cover. Most of the moisture develops overnight. For the morning hours and commute though, we will see that wet snowfall and then on Wednesday, Thursday, we rebound very quickly. We're back into some sunshine and the next weather maker that we're keeping a close eye will be on our Friday, but a great day to round off the long weekend for tomorrow. Sunshine in a high four. Sonia? All right, thanks very much for that, everyone.
Okay, now surprising new developments today. In the case involving an alleged homophobic and racist attack on actor Jesse Smollett, Chicago police now say they are no longer considering him to be the victim. But they're not saying whether they think he was directly involved in some way in this attack. Steve Patterson has the latest. Police are now investigating if the actor, famous for his role in the hit series Empire, paid two men to stage an alleged attack against him. In January, Jussie Smollett filed a police report stating two masked men assaulted him while hurling racist and homophobic slurs before pouring bleach on him and tying a rope around his neck. He identified the attackers in this blurry surveillance picture. I don't have any doubt in my mind that that's them. Friday night, police said they questioned and released two men ID'd in the picture, confirmed by NBC News as two brothers, both followed by Smollett on Instagram, no longer suspects. Investigators say they searched the brothers' home and found a rope, bleach, and black masks. You do such a disservice when you lie about things like this. Police issued a statement saying new information gleaned from their interview with the brothers shifted the trajectory of the investigation. Today, law enforcement sources familiar with the investigation tell NBC News Smollett is no longer considered a victim in the case, nor is he considered a suspect. And at this point, police just want him to come in and clarify his story. Overnight, attorneys for Smollett categorically denied the notion that he staged the assault. He has now been further victimized by claims attributed to these alleged perpetrators that Jussie played a role in his own attack. Nothing is further from the truth and anyone claiming otherwise is lying. I was involved in one of the most dramatic United States events. Desegregation of schools. A Burnaby woman. Black kids attending what had been a white school. A big role in history. Tuesday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's uh, catch up with all the day's sport now with Barry. All right. Thanks. Yes, thanks, Sonia. Uh, the Canucks are off for a few days. Next action not until Thursday at Rogers when they take on the Arizona Coyotes. One of those teams that's in the wild card mix, just like the Canucks. Perhaps the Canucks could get one player back from the injury list. Six are on it right now, and that has made for a thin lineup when the games get even more intense. Last night, Canucks uh, got an A for effort, outplayed the Sharks, but still lost 3-2. They had just one win in their last 12 against San Jose, including that 7-2 pasting Monday at Rogers, but they played much better last night. Alex Biega will spring Antoine Roussel for his seventh, tied it at one early third. Elias Pettersson to Brock Besser. Kind of fanned on that one a little bit, having a good laugh, but uh, that's his 21st, 2-2. But under seven minutes to play, Alex Biega fans on the clearing pass, and the Sharks pounce. Markstrom with a great save off Timo Meyer, but Joe Pavelski hammers in the rebound. Tough break for Biega, a popular teammate who just uh, had a tough break there. He did play well last night except for that 3-2 Sharks. Pedersen had a chance to tie it late, just off the outside of the post. Canucks played hard, but come up one short. They remain a point behind Minnesota for the final playoff spot. Canucks home to Arizona Thursday. Speaking of those wild, they were on the ice today at home against the St. Louis Blues. First period, Blues power play, Vladimir Tarasenko. This guy is on fire. Tenth goal in ten games as the Blues shoot for a tenth straight win. Then, more great puck work by the Blues. It's Tarasenko to Ryan O'Reilly, and he snaps it in. 2-0 St. Louis. 
And the Blues really can do no wrong these days. On the uh, second period, on the rush, it's Vince Dunn. 4-0 the final. As the Blues win, they do the Canucks a favor as the Wild fail to extend their lead on Vancouver. It remains at a single point. Habs and Panthers on the ice right now in Florida. Canadians clinging to a wild card playoff spot in the East. Down 3-1 in the first, but they get one back. Brendan Gallagher having another great season. Notches his 23rd. Zips it over James Reimer. 3-2 Panthers after one. Then in the second, the Habs tie it. Max Domi, little give and go with Mike Riley. Not the Lions quarterback. This is hockey, Mike Riley. Second goal of the night for Domi. 3-3, but late in the second. Check this out. Alexander Barkov with one of the goals of the year. Races in, then goes stick between the legs and flips it over Carey Price. Wow. Great imagination. What execution. 4-3 right now, Florida in the third. Rangers and Penguins. Pittsburgh on the outside looking in at the playoffs when the day began. A point behind Carolina. Third period tied at three. Sidney Crosby to his good buddy Chris Letang who wires it home. That's a good screen in front there. 4-3 pins. 15 now for Letang. Pens get another. Phil Kessel to Evgeny Malkin who squeezes it in on the short side. That made it 5-3 and then later more from Malkin. A fantastic spinorama backhand goal. Four goals in two weekend games for Malkin. Pengs hang, out, hang on to win at 6-5, and they move past Carolina into a playoff spot in the East. Canada-USA women's hockey. They've had this three-game challenge over the past week or so. The final game today in Detroit. They split the first two games. Canada opens the scoring in this one. Brianne Jenner uh, lacing one home to make it one nothing. Second period, Canada on the rush. Blair Turnbull. Going coast to coast. Works the give and go with Jamie Lee Rattray. Soft hands there. 2-0 Canada. And they would make that stand up. Shannon Zabatos outstanding in goal. Big pressure, but Zabatos stands in there. 40 saves in all. She gets the shutout as Canada wins the rivalry series two games to one. And the next time they'll meet will be at the World Championships in about a month. Long day at uh, Riviera today where the leaders played 34 holes to finish up the weather plague Genesis Open from L.A. How about Tiger Woods? Made a move early in the fourth round from the bunker. That's a birdie for Tiger. Got it to 10 under. Got as high as fifth place at one point, but Tiger faded like a lot of players. Exhausting week of golf. Lots of early mornings, and the wind played havoc with the putting today, if you can believe it. Tiger ends up tied for 15th at 6-under. Justin Thomas played incredible golf through three rounds, was at 18-under, had a four-shot lead, but he missed that bogey putt at 13, took a double bogey, so that lead was gone. And when J.B. Holmes, playing in that final group with Thomas, makes this great par save, it's a two-shot swing, and Holmes led by a shot. On the 17, Thomas with a chance to tie it for birdie, but again... The putter lets him down. Four over for his round at that point. Comes down to the 18th. Holmes leading by a shot. Thomas does have a birdie putt. Needs this to force a playoff. It looks good, but then a hard left slides by. Thomas makes par. Holmes with the tap in for the win. Knocks it in, and J.B. Holmes with the Genesis Open victory, his fifth PGA Tour win. The Abbotsford boys, Nick Taylor, finished minus three, tied 33rd. Adam Hadwin had a tough weekend, finished 75th, second last at 10 over. 
Welcome back. We continue our four-part series on Western Hockey League prospects who figure to be high picks in this June's NHL entry draft being held right here in Vancouver. Today we feature Lethbridge Hurricane Center Dylan Cousins, who moved from the Yukon to Delta a few years ago to help further his hockey career. Quinn Phillips has his story. Here comes Dylan Cousins to the neutral zone. Trying to dance his way in. In right circle. Wrist shot scores. Lethbridge Hurricanes forward Dylan Cousins is used to the question. Growing up in Yukon, which has only had two players before him suit up in the NHL, how did you get so good at hockey? I think it's all to my backyard rink that my dad made ever since I was a young age. I was always on my backyard rink till, till, till it was pitch black outside. But wait, there's not a lot of hours of daylight in Whitehorse in the winter. It was pitch black by probably around 4 o'clock, so my dad would have to set up these big lights that would, that would light up the whole backyard for me. The outdoor rink and minor hockey in Whitehorse could only take the smooth skating forward so far. There wasn't enough competition. So at 14 years old, Cousins moved to BC to play at the Delta Hockey Academy. I moved by myself. It was, it was definitely really hard, me being so young, and it was definitely hard on my parents, but they knew that's what was best for me, and they supported me through that. And I lived with a really good billet family, so that helped a lot. That will force a teenager to grow up pretty fast, but it now helps the Canes' second leading scorer. When I came into the WHL, uh, being with all the older guys, they don't want an immature guy coming into the room when, he, when he's 16 years old. So it definitely helped me a lot uh, just, just to be more mature and ahead of most kids my age. He plays in all our, our top lines and our top minutes. Uh, he's always approached the right way. Last year he was a little bit quieter, reserved, uh, learning from the older guys. And this year, his second year, he's taken on more of a leadership role. And um, for him, more, it's not always talking, but it's just how he plays and how hard he plays. He's the first UConn-born player taken in the first round of the WHL Bantam Draft, ranked number three among North American skaters on the Central Scouting midterm rankings. He's a likely first-rounder at the NHL Draft, which will, of course, be another first. I'm so grateful to be from there, and it's definitely a different uh, path than most people take, and i got lots of supporters up there, and I just want to make everyone proud. Quinn Phillips, Global Sports. Scotty's curling from Sydney, Nova Scotia. BC's Sarah Wark out of Abbotsford taking on Manitoba. Fifth end, BC down a pair, but a chance to take the lead. Wark with the quiet takeout weight just bumps back the Manitoba stone, and it does stop in time to score three. So BC leads 4-3. Now to the ninth, tied at five. An open draw for two for BC, and Wark has no problems getting her deuce. And on her 23rd birthday, Sarah Work and Work and BC win again, 7-5 over Manitoba, and they've just beaten none of it, 10-1. So BC off to a great start, 3-0. Check out action last night from Rogers Arena, National Lacrosse League, Vancouver Warriors, Saskatchewan Rush. This was a great game, back and forth. Justin Saul to the Warriors, shorthanded, ties it at eight in the third. Tight game throughout. Still in the third, Mitch Jones with one of his four goals on the night. Jordan McBride also had a four-goal night, but the rush scored late and won at 15-13. So a tough loss for the Warriors, who now drop to 3-7. and seven. NBA All-Star game from Charlotte. No East versus West. It's LeBron James picked a team and the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. We'll just call him Giannis. Two Raptors in the game, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry. They played on separate teams. Kawhi dialing up some offense in the first for Team LeBron. He had 10 in the half, including a pair of long threes. Dirk Nowitzki added to the game by the commissioner in his 21st and final season. And the 40-year-old German hits the 30-footer for the three-pointer. The bench loved it. So does Dirk. And then how about this? Steph Curry 
with the bounce pass, alley-oop to Giannis, who throws down. Fantastic. Updated score, 95-82 at the half. Yes, defense uh, not very uh, big at the All-Star game in the NBA. NASCAR season starting with the Daytona 500. What do you love more than in, uh, in this? Incredible racing skills or spectacular crashes? Somehow these scenes steal the show. Ten laps to go, Kyle Busch leading, but we got trouble. You see a lot of wrecks in NASCAR, but this is pretty spectacular. 21 cars involved. Paul Menard started at turning Matt to Benedetto. Menard admitted afterwards it was his fault. They red flagged the race, which means he had to stop it completely while they cleaned up. So it came down to a two-lap sprint to the finish. But again, ah, we got a little fender bender in the pack. So they had to stop the race one more time, clean it all up. And they had to go to what they call NASCAR overtime. Again, another two laps to the finish. And this time they do have a clean run, leading the way Denny Hamlin takes the checkered flag, his second Daytona 500 win in four years. Kyle Busch second, Eric Jones third. And I guess the winner gets all that confetti to keep. All that confetti. Well, yeah, just a little something. It's not scary, that is, to watch. Well, it's amazing. No no major injuries at all with that. They are big on the safety. But, yeah, that was, I mean, there were cars under cars. Right? It doesn't even look real. Okay. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 252 centimeters. Grouse, 220. Cypress, 315. Sasquatch, 246. Revelstoke with three new centimeters, five for Fernie, Manning Park with a base of 162, and eight new centimeters for Whitewater. Big White and Silver Star, two new centimeters of snow, Sun Peaks with a base of 164, Kicking Horse with five new centimeters, and four for Mount Washington. All right, finally tonight, uh, I want to show you this. This is an incredible rescue of two horses that got stuck this weekend. Uh, They both had to be rescued from an icy pond after they escaped their enclosure. We're talking about Gunther and Wilhelm. They're both named. Uh, They were discovered because their heads were sticking out of uh, water that was three metres deep and really frigid. Emergency crews pulling out all the stops to save the pair and the community also coming out too with uh, heaters and blankets as well. And another story before we go. This is six-year-old Levi Johnson. He is the newest member of the Bellevue Police Department in Nebraska. Uh, Levi was born with three holes in his heart. He's got other health issues as well, but he wants to be a police officer when he grows up. Because of his health issues, that probably won't happen, so the force decided to step in early, uh, making his dreams come true right now. They've also put out a call for officers to send in official police patches. And they've already had uh, a brilliant response from all over the world. And he likes donuts, too. He likes donuts as well. He's a perfect fit. All right. So, family day tomorrow. Enjoy it if you have the day off. And then on Tuesday... Be prepared. It could be a messy commute for the morning hours. All right. We're talking snow, potentially. Have a great night. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Good night. Good night.